You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Man, I told y'all that dog was a fraud. We all on this podcast said that this dog, this Corgi, was not a truth teller. We didn't interview him. As a truth teller, he's a fraud. He's a liar. He ducked the interview. Anyone who could do their own research about this Corgi would know that it's a fraud. We extended the invite to the prestigious truth-telling podcast. Like, if you're about seeing the world as it really is, you want to be here. This is the place to do it. And instead, we got the cold shoulder from that dumbass dog who thought we wouldn't notice, thought we wouldn't do our research, as Tom just said. Well, Tom, what does the research say? Fraud. Exactly right. Five letters. Fraud. Exactly right. Here's the thing. When you duck the interview with Basketball Illuminati, you're exposing yourself. Decline to speak to the media. Yeah. The dog is taking notes from Devin Booker, from Giannis. Dylan Brooks. Under no circumstances will that Corgi ever appear on this podcast. We're the watchdogs, but who watches the watchdogs? Clearly not a dog. That's the grand lion at all. There is no dog in watchdog. Well, I mean, I hope this dog enjoyed its 15 minutes of fame. Maze, tell me their next video, how many views it got. I bet it's like 5,000. Well, hold on. Was their next video an apology for getting this shit so wrong? No, because they didn't do any post-game media availabilities. They're ducking the media. But they've posted video since then? This Corgi has posted a Mother's Day video. See? Deflect. Oh, that's sweet. No, it's not sweet. It's very sweet. Where it bounces the basketball inflatable off of its nose into baskets that say, Hey, Mom. Sup, Dad. It's spelling out a sentence. Hey, Mom. You're awesome. Thank you for making me... The end. This is the worst chat GPT ever. That's the end of the message. Seven million views, Tom. Shut up. Seven million? Capitalizing off of that Lakers Warriors success. And for the final fraudulent reveal, the owner of Steph Furry, Mm -hmm. Steph Corgi, Mm -hmm. is a Lakers fan. Of course. Or should I call him Corgi Bryant? The G in Corgi stands for grift. My assignment. (laughs) Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but- all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> This is Basketball.
basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by the five-star Illumin Army generals, Amin Al-Hassan and producer Anthony Mays. The illumination has been waiting. The prophecy from years ago. We got to talk about John Morant. The latest update in the John Morant saga from over the weekend, and we're bringing in the big guns. Wait a minute. I can't say that. Can't say it. Yeah, that was an interesting choice of words right there, Tom. That's what happens when you shoot from the hip. Really backfired on you. Van McMahon, cowboy himself. We got his theme song, and we roped him in for an interview. Yeah! Tim McMahon from ESPN joining the show. But first. This is the problem. Agenda-driven media. I have a problem with it. Are listening to the, the Super Agenda. Super sizes are back. They said to make it huge. I don't care. Just supersize me. With Tom Haverstrow and Amin El Hassan. Let me ask you guys: Is this the most stuffed the agenda has ever been? Oh. We've had super agendas before. <laughs> this has been a crazy week of news in the NBA, and that's not even talking about the basketball. I thought we had a writer's strike. What the hell, man? It's so many storylines that are coming out. I can't keep up. Strangers in fiction. Julius Randle getting stomped on by New York Knicks fans. That was eight years ago, right? Oh, you said Julius Randle. I said, did something new happen with Julius Randle? Because I haven't <laughs> heard his name in ages. That's what it feels like. <laughs> the Warriors eliminated from the playoffs. And it's a mere footnote in this week's basketball Illuminati. Jordan Poole is reduced to a puddle. Dare I say just a little drip. <laughs> Stephen Curry who knows what's going to happen with Bob Myers, the GM, Draymond Green. Is he going to come back? Is he declining his player option? Is he going to sign and then trade? What are the Warriors going to do with Klay Thompson going forward after he had the worst playoff game of his career? Would we call that a checkbook loss? Yeah, <laughs> got to be. It's expensive. That's all just footnotes. Little things on the side of the highway that we are blowing past in this week's episode because breaking news. Doc Rivers was fired. That was my dramatic music. Your dramatic hamster. Now he was fired mere hours after James Harden said, Our relationship is okay. And for those who have been listening to Basketball Illuminati, the very first episode that we had was a James Harden trade. We talked about that humongous trade from the Brooklyn Nets to the Philadelphia 76ers. And here we are after one of the biggest choke jobs in Philadelphia 76ers history and NBA history, where they go up three, two in the series, James Harden and Joel Embiid and doc rivers, the powers combined completely disappear. I feel like a lot of people felt about John Morant probably right about now about James Harden. Like, man, I stuck up for you, man. <laughs> I told everybody, you know, he's tired. He's he's plays this very taxing style of basketball, tries to play all 82 games at a time where everyone was load managing. By the time he gets to the playoffs, he's worn out. That's why he's disappearing down the stretch. It's not because he's decidedly unclutch and he's choking in these situations. And this year, he played a much more conservative style in terms of energy expended. He was a lot more of a place setter and a playmaker for everybody. He had the big game one to show everybody, look, I can still do this. And I said, oh, see, see, this is the big James Harden year. And now I feel like a dunce. I hate sticking up for people who end up letting me down, man. I hate it. Does it feel inconvenient when that happens? A little bit. Not quite. A little bit, though. I actually thought James Harden acquitted himself fairly well. He gave us two games where he essentially won it all by himself. That's more than I would have expected from him at this stage in his career. Oh, that's what you think is the lasting legacy of James Harden in this series is that he acquitted himself. Yeah. No one's going to remember that he faded down the stretch and blew another lead just like he did in 2021 with Brooklyn, just like he did in 2018 with Houston, all these series where he was up three, two, this one was less infamous because the Houston series had the 27 missed threes. The Brooklyn series had the toe on the line that changed everything. Let me counter this. He was just paying tribute to Ben Simmons from the Atlanta Hawks series in which Ben Simmons didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter in games four through seven. It was insane. It was insane. It was like, we're running it back. We're running it exactly back. 
James Harden games five through seven, zero, zero points in the fourth quarter. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. He gave you game one and game four. What more could you ask for? He gave you two games. Games two, three, six, and seven. I think the most amazing part of all of this Sixers drama is that it was right there for them in game six and that ugly game six. Yep. No one could score. The rock fight. And then Jason Tatum, after playing awfully, yeah. there's a bizarro world where we're crushing Jason Tatum today, finally finds his shot, hits a couple threes, and then carries that into a 50-point game seven. You can't find any consistency in the NBA. He had seven points in game two. Seven! He had, what, 19 and was a mess later in the series where it was like, yeah, what's going on with Jason Tatum? Then has the biggest game seven in NBA history. Yeah. Steph Curry had that record for 12 hours. Well, Steph Curry gets to keep it for on the road, right? <laughs> so he still sits in the record books for the biggest game seven on the road. And you know what? He kind of stat padded it a little bit. Him and Brown were in there way too long. Way too long. Was the 51 the hand gesture a little much for you, I mean? After hitting that three in the corner. Humbly, was it a little too much? Yeah. Humbly speaking, I think it was a little too much. I'm one of those people, I like to believe the lie when they say, I didn't even know I broke a record or anything. <laughs> I had 50 for real. Like, I like it when they do that. I don't like when they're like gunning for Ricky Davis style. Yeah, the Jokic. What? Yeah. yeah. I have the most triple doubles by a center in history. Oh, check. Huh. I beat you, right? I passed you on that list, right? That's the better response. Yeah, man. Be cool about it, man. Don't be a go hard. Did you guys see that video of Jason Tatum in high school with Matthew Kachuk? No. No. Him and Matthew Kachuk went to the same high school in St. Louis, Chaminade Prep, which I believe is the same high school that Bradley Beal went to, obviously a few years ahead of them. They were in like a AV club or something. They had a video project that they had to do. And it is all of the cringy high school video project production value that you might imagine. But it is pretty impressive that like these two elite athletes in different sports were in the same class at the same school. And now both of them are in the conference finals in their respective sports. It's pretty cool if you didn't already get the script. You know, we already saw that that was going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Back in the day. That was before the writer's strike. Hockey Illuminati coming soon. Keep your third puck open. But you know, guys, NBA kind of had its Black Monday this week as we saw a couple more firings from some playoff coaches. Doc Rivers let go. We talked about this, obviously. Excuse me. It's another one of these. Everyone in the Illuminati, Army, raise your right hand. Now angle it backwards. And proceed to pat yourselves on the back. We had this, ladies and gentlemen, a year ago. A year ago. He's on the outs. This is Custer's last end. And we even called who his replacement's going to be. Do the math. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Two plus two equals. Ford Tony. Two plus two equals. Seven seconds or less, baby. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> you shove Doc out the door. You get your guy Mike D back in there. And now... You've got your holy Pentagon surrounded, protected James Harden. There it is. You heard it here first a year ago, and you're going to hear it again and again. I know. I know there's a long list. Oh, Sam Cassell. Oh, oh, Mike Budenholzer. Keep your third eye open, folks. We've been beating this D'Antoni drum for quite a while. Can't spell drum without D. Here you go. boy. And you can't spell mean without rum. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, it leads me to yet another thread, right? Because one of those names that I didn't mention was Monty Williams. Monty Williams has also been tied to the Philadelphia job. Monty Williams, a former assistant coach in Philadelphia. Sure. But I'm here to tell you guys that Monty's had his third eye open for quite a while. He doesn't want the Philadelphia job. I mean, that's a pretty good job. A good job. You got Embiid. Get out of the Western Conference. Sure. Look, it's a good job. You've got two building blocks. Absolutely. But, and here's the inconvenient truth. It's not the best job. Well, the best job is Phoenix. He's out of that one. So obviously he's not up to that one. What's the best job outside of Phoenix? Oh, wow. Yeah, go ahead. I can see it widen right in the middle of your forehead. Mays, play the sound. I just wanted to come and congratulate you guys. As a man, coach, um, you guys deserve this. 
and um, I'm, I'm thankful for the experience. You guys made me a better coach. You made us a better team. Congratulations. That's right. He's been looking at me, Louie, for two years now. He sowed the seeds. 2021, why in the world? Would anyone go in the middle of the championship locker room in the middle of their celebration to give them some dumbass speech about, oh, you really made me better and you made us better. And congratulations. They don't want to hear that shit. No one wants to hear that shit. And at first I was like, man, look at this guy. He's trying to seem like he's the good guy. He's the golden boy. I called him. Look at me, Lou. I created that term. It's spread across the nation. It's one of the most used sounders on Levitard show today, even two years later. Wow, the look at me, Louie, on this guy. Look at me, Louie. But watch this, guys. Watch this. Two years ago, July 2021. Maze, can you do me a favor? Can you scroll up to the archives of Basketball Illuminati and tell me what episode we have in July of 2021? Wait, July 2021? We didn't exist. We didn't exist. We didn't exist. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not ashamed to say it. My third eye was not open in July of 2021. Wow. I didn't know. I was like you guys. I was running the simulation. The vulnerability. Walking, oh, oh, basketball. They played, oh, wow. They won four games in a row. Like doing all that. Never once seeing what was clearly in front of us. This man was setting the table to swoop in because we all knew Bud was living on borrowed time, even with the championship. The dude was a Kevin Durant toe away from being Fired and Rick Carlisle was measuring drapes in Milwaukee. But Monty, Monty, you shrewd bastard, you. He knew. He said, hey, you think this championship cements him? Uh-uh. I got my eye on that. And the evidence is clear. Every single coach who's won a championship since 2015 has been fired other than Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr's the only guy who won a championship since 2015 and has managed to keep his job. How insane is that? By the way, of all those coaches who were fired, only Nick Nurse lasted more than two seasons. Guys, it's all laid out in front of us. The script is there. It was written way before. But you know what? You thought that was inconvenient truth? Guess what? Let me up the ante. That's right. Your mom's sister, wake her up. (laughs) The ante up. It takes time to connect the dots. I know that. I know but that. also, I know that there could be a day of reckoning when you wish you connected the dots more quick. More quick. What were we thinking? Why did we wake up when we had a chance? Move it. Demolish it. Blow it up. What gets us into trouble is not what we don't know. It's what we know for sure. That just that ain't, just so. ain't so. A man's a definitive truth. Communicate this real clearly. The only way I do is city by city, person by person, family by family. There are a lot of people go straight from denial to despair. Without pausing on the intermediate step of actually doing something about the problem. 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 truth. NBA loves to do victory laps when good things happen, right? Oh, look at us. We're so cool. Aren't we the best? We're not like those guys over there. Their footballs and stuff. We're the awesome ones who are doing it right. Look how diverse our coaching fraternity is. Look how many head coaches we have come from diverse backgrounds. We are the A-letter receiving league from Central Florida's Diversity in Sports Institute, right? Eight coaches have been fired in the NBA this season. Steve Nash, Stephen Silas, Nick McMillan, Dwayne Casey, Mike Budenholzer, Doc Rivers, Monty Williams, Nick Nurse. Eight guys. Eight people who control the NBA. Those eight. Well, not these guys. Not anymore. Because <laughs> five of them are black. That is inconvenient. That is incredibly inconvenient. Man. Oh, I thought you were talking about how there's a doc and a nurse. Five out of the eight fired coaches are black. All the diversity. And yet we still live in a society, in an NBA, where black coaches are less likely to get hired and more likely to get fired than any other ethnicity out there. Five out of the eight fired head coaches were black and four out of the eight head coaches that were fired have won the coach of the year award in the last six years since 2018 is coach of the year. The most meaningless award that we have. It's a curse. Alvin Gentry has been saying that for years, dude, for years. I was like 2009. Alvin Gentry was like, 
if you don't want to win coach of the year. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, hey, look, hey, coach of the year, you're going to get fired. Okay. Shelby's finest. Who's the greatest active coach that's never won coach of the year? Who's avoided the curse? Eric Spolstra has never gotten coach of the year. Huh. Eric Spolstra, who is in the Eastern Conference Finals for the seventh time wow. in 13 years. Eric Spolstra, fifth all time in playoff wins, never coach of the year. Is that right? Does he even want it at this point? I don't think he wants it at this point. Not according to Alvin Gentry, he doesn't. <laughs> Stay away. How is that even possible? Four times with LeBron, and then, oh, this is the third time with Jimmy. Yeah, third time in the conference finals with Jimmy. Seven and 13 years. Meanwhile, in the same span, the Knicks have had, I want to say, like three winning seasons. Now, conference finals, winning seasons. We talk about how this is a bubble rematch, that we should have seen this coming, that the NBA would want to legitimize the NBA bubble played at Disney World with no fans. How do we legitimize the NBA bubble? Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. I take that back, by the way. The Knicks have had five winning seasons in that span. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should be purged. I should be punished. My dear brother, Numsi. Five winning seasons in the same span. I don't think you need to clarify that. I, I feel like we all pretty much understood the gist of what you were doing there. Well, some folks on 7th Avenue might not get it. Wait a second. You forgot about the lockout year. We have Denver... LA in the Western conference and Boston, Miami, they're running it back from 2020. And I just figured this out like a week ago. Oh, we're right here. The bubble 2020 rematch. And then I wasn't thinking with my third eye, this actually was predicted. Not a week ago. You know who predicted this? Who? Jimmy Butler. No. When did he predict this? I don't remember him saying anything. Let's go back to the press conference last year, the exit press conference after they lost to Boston next year. We will have enough, and we're going to be right back in the same situation, and uh, we're going to get it done. How did he know? How did he know that this team, an eight seed, was going to get back to the conference finals? How did Jimmy Butler know? Irrational confidence, or is it rational? Third eye open. Yeah. He got his hands on the 2022-2023 script. Like, the story goes that Bob Iger read the script for The Last Jedi on the flight back from the premiere for The Force Awakens. And that's what Jimmy Butler did. He got the script for the next season at the end of the first season. I just got an email here from the league saying the NBA playoffs have delivered record viewership through the conference finals. Most watched conference finals series in 27 years. It hasn't happened yet. Conference finals. Oh, sorry. Most watched conference semifinals. Whew. Yo, he got the script. He got the script. I mean, he's going to say it's because of Heat Knicks six. So are you ready for Heat Celtics three? I mean, oh, am I ready? Oh, I want to write a letter to Danny Ainge right now. He's not even there anymore. You know what would really juice numbers? We brought back a shadowy figure from the past that always juices numbers on TV dramas, right? You want a big episode for Sweeps Week? You bring back a shadowy figure from the past. Yeah, like maybe someone who was exiled. You know, not allowed to return, mm -hmm. but for some reason, passed away. Circumstances have changed that we're not going to get into. No, 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 no. Look, he's here and he's back. <gasps> Tim McMahon from ESPN joins us next. You all think I'm late. Well, I'm not late. And I'm going to stay right here and fight for this lost cause, even if this room gets filled with lies like these. And the tailors and all their armies come marching into this place. Somebody will listen to me. There's no better way to overpower a trickle of doubt than with a flood of naked truth. But the complexity in the gray lie not in the truth. But what you do with the truth once you have it. What is true and right is true and right for all. You and I both know that that's just not the truth. You can't handle the truth! It's too messy. Keeps them up nice. I'm here because in the end, the truth is worth the risk. Speak a little truth and people lose their minds. I'm a grown man. You can tell me the truth. Why is it people who want the truth never believe it when they hear it? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something really outrageous. I'm going to tell the truth. Can we play this song now? Tim, are we able to play the song that I created or are you holding rights to that? He can't come on if we don't play the song. That's the rule. I'll even add in a little horse whinnying and a little whip sound for you, Tim, just like the old <laughs> days. 
He's the baddest dude in all the land. He got Texas blood as thick as Buddy's Clan McMahon. Howdy, partners. I didn't even know this clip existed. Tim, I thought it was just lost to the ether and then it randomly pops up as I'm listening to the Hoop Collective. I mean, did you have this? Yes, I definitely have this. I do play it at family functions on a fairly regular basis. Definitely have made sure that all my in-laws, my wife's cousins, you know, everybody <laughs> related to us have, have heard this for sure. And then, as you know, Hater Stro, they do play an acapella version on Salt Lake City Radio once a week. Oh, that's right. Because they had you record that so they could properly introduce me. So there's bootleg copies. Shout out to <laughs> Spencer Checkets out there doing remixes. The cover. <laughs> it's good to have it back. It's good to have you back on the show. I know our lawyers both spoke and our legal teams have cleared the air for us to get on back on air and you back in our good graces over here. And we want to thank you for joining today as someone who has been all over this John Morant story and also breaking news that Doc Rivers was let go. You might have some thoughts about the Mike D'Antoni potential there in Philly. So I'll ask you about that as well. But I didn't know you could rap. I was able to play, lay down a couple tracks on, you know, the acoustic guitar and playing your theme song and coming up and writing, producing and singing. I did not know that you could rap, Tim. I would say can rap is debatable. Should rap. There's <laughs> probably should not. <laughs> but every, every once in a while, you got to, you know, you just got to spit some bars, man. You know how it goes. <laughs> Hanging out with Michael C. Wright too much. <laughs> hey, Michael C. Wright, he is much country than I am. I always tell him he is K-O-N-T-R-E-E, calm, free. <laughs> okay, he's up from like the Wichita Falls, basically southern Oklahoma part of Texas. So, you know, he ain't rapping. So tell us, Tim, what do you think happens with this John Morant story from here? Man. Going forward, because, I mean, this has been going on for months, even dating back to last year with the deleted tweet where he seemed to be or appeared to be threatening someone. And now we're at this point where... The Memphis Grizzlies have suspended him from all team activities. I don't even know what that means, really. Cannot partake in the draft night buffet. <laughs> That's off limits to him. That's a big one. No, I mean, look, I would assume it means he can't use their gym to train, their practice facility. What it is, more than anything from the Grizzlies, is it's a symbolic thing of we are fed up with this. This cannot continue and that's a big shift because let's just be real honest. The Grizzlies did a whole lot of sweeping under rug and enabling. And it's gotten to a point where like, dude, Ja is either going to grow up or he's going to screw up what should be a Hall of Fame career. And he seems hell bent on screwing up a Hall of Fame career. And that's really pathetic. The interesting thing, Tim, is what legal recourse the league has to take action. In other words, is seeing him on video for a frame holding what appears to be a pistol. Is that enough? Okay, let's stop the appears to be stuff. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being lawyerly right, right now. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes. Is this the Southern lawyer from Ethan's uh, trial? No, yeah. With the suspenders. <laughs> now, I do declare <laughs> it would appear to me. No, but I'm trying to think for like basically a grievance filing from the Players Association where they can argue what is proven that he actually did was wrong. Is it a bad look? Yes, but is there anything there that the league can actually take action against in terms of what he did in the video? There's a lot of leeway in the conduct detrimental to the league stuff. And I don't think Job ja broke any laws. He was either in Georgia, Tennessee, or Alabama if he was driving home from Georgia. They all have open care laws. But it's just, this is a dude who got off light with an eight-game suspension, but eight games is really two extra ones plus the time that he'd already missed. But in getting off light, he got called to the principal's office. He got called up to New York City. He had to sit down with Adam Silver. They had a conversation. Adam Silver, I believe, was very direct in terms of, hey, as a face of the league, this is what we expect of you. And this is just absolutely flying in the face of those expectations. And so... I think that this is going to be up to Adam Silver, just how hard he wants to come down on a guy who basically did exactly the opposite of what they agreed would be his conduct moving forward. 
And, you know, you mentioned the Players Association. I'm curious what stance they might take because I've talked to agents of other superstar players and they're pissed off too because this is not just a bad look for John Morant. This is not just a bad look for the Memphis Grizzlies. This reflects poorly on the entire league. I'm talking to an agent of another superstar and it's just like, man, this really taints the image of the whole league. You know, I've got my clients who are doing everything right, who are never sniffing any kind of trouble, positive members of their community, so on and so forth. But then the perception of the league is going to be, oh, look at this fool who thinks playing with guns on Instagram Live is cool. You know, so the Players Association thing will be interesting because it's not just the league office. It's not just the Memphis Grizzlies. Other teams are livid about this and other agents are livid about this because they feel like it it reflects poorly on everybody. Now, remind me, Tim, were you with the Grizzlies in that series against the Lakers at all? Oh, yes. It wasn't a fun series. I was on the Grizzlies beat. The Grizzlies beat had been a lot of fun for Jaw's career, and that thing took a turn south this season for sure. Obviously, as things bubbled to the surface with him and then as the Dylan Brooks weirdness played out. The Grizzlies were a miserable team to be around for the last few months of this season. And I was around them a lot. Did you get the sense that Jai had learned his lesson being around the team? Or did you have signs that, oh, yeah, he's not taking this seriously, this next chapter of his career? Did you expect a video like this to pop up? So you're always skeptical. And I'd heard a lot of stuff about, oh, you know, John, as people think that the NBA is out to get them, that the media is out to get them. And it's just like, good Lord, do you understand how much the NBA bent over backwards to not try to get you? You think ESPN wants John Morant's career to fizzle? Are you kidding me? The guy is like, <laughs> who doesn't want to watch this guy play basketball? What are you talking? Like the Memphis media? You think the Memphis media wants this guy to fail? Are you serious? So that concerned me. Also, just kind of the way he acted throughout the series concerned me. The blowing off the media after the game four loss, the the answers after game five, being sensitive to a column in the Memphis commercial appeal that basically said, you know, it's time for him to step up and be be the leader that he's supposed to be. All that stuff concerned me. After game six, I was a little bit encouraged. He sat down in front of the media. He talked. I asked him a very open-ended question about how he'd evaluate himself as a leader and how he could grow in that area. And I kind of expected the fine answer then, but he didn't. I think he gave me the answer that was the right answer, but also clearly was him just trying to say the right thing. You know, he brought up his off-court issues. He, he brought up, I've got to be better as a decision maker. Off-the-court stuff was a distraction for the team. And so I was like, okay, hey, the fact that he's acknowledging that is at least encouraging. But I'll be honest with you, one weekend later, John Morant's promoting parties at clubs in Atlanta on his Instagram. I'm like, man, this this ain't off to a good start. The next weekend, he's, hey, my boy D-Taps, freaking Instagram live session. We're rapping and farting around with guns. It's just like, man, come on, dude. The sad thing is, it's like, who thinks this stuff is cool? It's like he's trying to impress high school kids. Yeah. I don't understand it. But in a weird way, Tim, he's closer to high school kids than he is. The adults, whether it's the other players you're talking about, whether it's agents, whether it's the league office, the team, the coaches, front office, all these people. Nike. These are all adults. And he's, in fact, closer to the age of the high school kids, like the high school kid he punched, I guess, at his house. Yeah, yeah. A lot has come down on T. Morant, on his image as this uber supportive dad who's living vicariously through his son and having a good time. And what the initial incident that got him suspended happened, there was a lot of, well, is this his daddy's fault because he just wants to hang out with them or whatever? And I thought that was people just connecting dots, not in a basketball Illuminati way, but just kind of like, <laughs> oh, they just see two things together and like, all right, that's that's why. What's the true story there as far as his support system and the people around him? I know you mentioned some grumblings about the media is out to get him or whatever, but can you characterize what his support system looks like? Obviously. He has parents who love him, who have been supportive of him his entire life, who helped him get to this point. So I want to be sensitive about criticizing any dedicated parent. I want to be sensitive about criticizing that. But having said that, and I said this you know, back in March when this original suspension and that whole thing came about, I do believe 
that T. Morant needs to choose what's more important to him. Is it more important to be a celebrity or to be a supportive father? Because a lot of times I think the celebrity gets in the way of doing what's right and what's in the best interest for his son, John Morant. I know people within the Grizzlies organization considered it a significant step in the right direction that T. Morant started having a bottle of Powerade under his seat or in his hands while sitting courtside at games, as opposed to other beverages. <laughs> Listen, I'm just telling you what the facts of the matter are. I think that the entire group has been caught up in sudden fame and celebrity. I think the entire group needs to really look themselves in the mirror and decide what's important. And that includes the parents. I get it. I understand. Like, could you imagine you go from being a no name who's not even on the South Carolina state recruiting lists yeah. to a couple of years later, you're the number two pick in the NBA draft and boom, he was an instant star. I mean, a month in his career, I think the first time I wrote a story on him was about like the whole family dynamic a month in his career. I mean, and he was must see TV, yeah. like a league pass darling rookie of the year. It's not just the money, but the fame, the celebrity, like I get getting caught up in it, but they're hundred percent caught up in it. And you want all the perks of being an NBA superstar, but they're completely screwing up the responsibilities that come along with that. It didn't feel great to see the redemption hoodie that T. Morant wore right after coming back. That's my thing. It's like when you do that, when you take that step, there has to be something real behind it. It can't be like, we'll clean this up with some shirts, guys. It's a merch. It was just look at me, look at me, look at me. And like, that's the last thing you need to be doing. Look at me, The group of Jaws high school buddies. Right. Who else is there other than T? Especially this Devontae Pack guy who's been a constant. Listen, I'm sorry. Send his butt back to South Carolina. If you got to buy him a house, whatever, he's got to go. He's got to go. I'm going to stick up for this guy for the one reason is they're driving. Mm -mm. He goes online. <laughs> John knows this is happening. And the guy turns it to himself and then he turns it back towards John. And he sees John's got a gun. I said he cares more about John's career than John does because he saw the guy's like, oh, shit, what are you doing? Puts the phone down. After going live while driving. I mean, okay, going live while driving. I think Jaw was actually driving, which even makes it worse. Jaw was driving. Oh. He's at the steering wheel with a gun on IG Live. Yeah, so let me ask you this. You sticking up for him when Jaw's asking him, hey, should I punch this high school kid? And he's like, you know, do it, do it. And then he jumps in and punches the kid himself. No. Are you sticking up for him when he steps out onto the court during a freaking NBA game against the Pacers and acts like he wants to fight? Also, first of all, dude, you know what? They might have should have let James Johnson get after him because that ain't one that you want. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> that would have solved some problems. Yes. Are you sticking up for him when he's, oh, <laughs> I'm in the load dock here. Yeah, you, you want to fight? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Getting this dumbass banned from the freaking, you know how bad you have to screw up when you are the face of the franchise's best friend and they banned you from the arena? And then Jaws acting like, oh, my God, my brother was done wrong. All right, all right. All right. He calls uncle. He's like, yeah, I'm good. I capitulate. <laughs> Other than Shotgun Willies, this guy has been there every single time. And at a certain point, if you are constantly involved in your NBA superstar best friend screwing up, you're part of the problem. Mm. And I'm not saying removing him from the equation solves everything. But he's part of the problem. All right, Band, you mentioned that he got off light with the previous suspension. And I wanted to go back to this statement because Adam Silver said himself that Ja made it clear he has learned from this incident, which does not reflect well in hindsight. That feels like to me when someone undergoes surgery and they always say it's a successful surgery. Right. There's never been an unsuccessful surgery in the history of sports medicine. He's already lost $39 million because of this light suspension that cost him eight games before the suspension, before the incident, he was on track to be an all NBA player and get this mm -hmm. extension money. So he's already lost 39 million. He's already been suspended. He's already been talked to by Adam silver. And we've talked the whole NBA media has talked about how silver has a tendency to be light on reprimanding players for stuff. Correct. So there's two things at play here. What is the type of suspension that 
Silver needs to come out to send a message, but also what's the type of punishment that John needs to receive to start to put the pieces together that he needs to change and do the things that you're mentioning? The second one, I don't know, because you would have hoped, certainly the Grizzlies hoped, the league office hoped, a lot of people hoped that an eight-game suspension, all that embarrassment, that that would be the wake-up call, right? And you heard Josh say it. I realize what I'll, I have at risk now. So, like, that's what's so disappointing about all this is like, dude, how many wake-up calls do you need? How loud do the alarms need to be? And as far as, like, what the suspension will be, we'll see, man. I saw one of these gambling sites that sends you the emails with the odds and all that. I think they set the over under at 25. That seems on the heavy side. I would take the under there, mm. but I think it's going to be pretty significant, man. If I put the over under at 15, you feel like that's more suitable? That's where I would put it. Well, there's also that interesting wrinkle of the new 65 game minimum. Yeah. I don't think that matters to Ja. I don't. If it did, then he probably would be a little bit more open to changing his life ahead of this video. Doesn't matter to him looking forward, but I'm saying will matter to him once the suspension is put into place. The thing with Ja the first time around, the first suspension, I got the sense that he felt like his mistake was going live on IG, which obviously is incredibly idiotic. But, well, the mistake is you're out in the wee hours at a strip club dangling a gun around like a complete buffoon. Whether you're on IG or not, like the fact you told on yourself is obviously <laughs> insane, but right. this is a mistake whether you tell on yourself or not. And honestly, the concerns about jaw, like all this gun stuff is extremely concerning at this, you know, playing gangsta thing. Like, I don't understand it. I don't know why you would be an NBA superstar and feel the need to try to prove you're some kind of tough guy by dangling pistols around. But the concerns going back long before that was just the lifestyle, you know, the partying and the fact that he's out until the wee hours of the morning on a frequent basis. And the tequila chugging on a team plane, that stuff is alarming in multiple respects. But again, these are all opportunities for him to learn. Like, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. I can't do this stuff anymore. I'm continuing to be embarrassed in the national media headlines that I don't want. And it doesn't seem like he's getting it No, to some extent. I don't know if it's enabling, but the Nike statement, the fact that when Jalen Rose had that sit down with Ja and he said like Adam Silver lent his support and was supporting me through this process. It doesn't paint a picture of someone who feels like he feels the cost, the burn of what he did. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, the moment he said, yeah, I went to therapy. We sorted all that shit out. I'm like, wait a second. That's not how that shit works, man. Mm. That's not how therapy works. It's not like, yeah, I got a Z pack and it got cleared all up. It was a successful surgery. And we're talking to the person who broke that story, by the way. <laughs> and he said he was going to continue with counseling. Whether that's happened or not, I can't say. I would recommend it if it hasn't been happening. What was his reputation in the locker room prior to this incident, but after the last one? So in this in-between time. I believe his teammates genuinely do like him. Right. When Jaws on the floor, when Jaws in the facility, aside from the occasional post-game confrontation with the Pacers where <laughs> Red Lasers have pointed out SUVs, but when Jaws with the team, he's great. He's obviously a hell of a talent. I think he is a good teammate as far as when he's in a basketball environment. He is a guy who, you know, he's not a selfish player. He wants to hype up his teammates. He gets guys involved. I actually think he has some on-court natural leadership mm -hmm. skills. And, you know, I call it kind of leadership charisma. I even, and I look like a fool now for doing this, but earlier in his career, I kind of compared him to Dame Lillard in that respect. But Obviously, the constant barrage of off-court foolishness has got to be exhausting for his teammates, certainly his coaches, the front office, and throughout the organization. And then I think there's a perception that the Grizzlies as a group are just a wild bunch of dudes. Jaws going out with his guys. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're running... 15 deep as a roster going out on the road. Jack Haley's not his wingman out here, right? I'm not sitting here saying like none of the rest of the Grizzlies ever go out and they're all just a bunch of 
you know, homebodies and Boy Scouts or all that. But there's not another guy who's going to return to that roster next year that I think there are any kind of lifestyle or, or character concerns about. I would just say that. Like Desmond Bain is a very mature young player. Tyus Jones is a grown-ass father. You know, Steven Adams obviously has been in this league for a long time and handles his business. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a little bit goofy, but he's not out acting like a fool. Mm-hmm. All these other guys are are very business-like as far as how they handle their stuff. And, and Ja, unfortunately, he dictates the perception of the team and the direction of the franchise. It's wild because I can't think of an incident like this where it feels like, I said this the last time, everyone's rooting for this guy right. to get it right. This isn't like Iverson where there was a clear segment of population like this guy's a menace and you shouldn't da 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 It feels like everyone's like, oh, come on, man, what are you doing? But then the other thing is with recidivism, usually what happens is the loudest people are the I told you so people. I told you he wasn't shit, right? Usually that's what happens. And in this case, the loudest people are all the people who are saying, oh, come on, man, I stuck up for you. Yeah. What are you doing? I want to say that should be a place of optimism for John ja his camp. Like, yo, the world hasn't given up on you. I just kind of feel like that's part of the problem in, in some sense is that people are still, not that he doesn't deserve any support, but it feels like he hasn't. And I talked about this with Trey the other day where it's like the crash out, the thing that happens that no one wants to happen, which is that it hits rock bottom, what have you. Everyone's trying to prevent that from happening. But the kid gloves that we're handling him with, with the NBA and with the Nike and Powerade, yeah, they took off the commercial for March Madness, but I don't know whether who's going to be the first one to pull their money. It can't be the Memphis Grizzlies. He's already due that money. He's put all those endorsement deals in serious jeopardy. I said the other day on the Hoop Collective, I think these are going to be the jaw one and done. I don't think that the signature shoe thing is going to continue. It's a great line, and you will not be one and done with beating that joke all summer long. (laughs) No, sir. (laughs) Until it comes true. If you're Nike... And your whole marketing campaign is just, oh, family friendly. Look, we've got the parents involved. We're targeting middle school and elementary school kids to buy these bright colored shoes. Why would they continue to invest in John Morant? He's put them in a situation where he's made them look like complete fools. He's made the Grizzlies look like complete fools. He's made Adam Silver in the league office look like complete fools. Speaking of Nike and the signature shoe and the job one and dones, he's quote unquote, replacing Kyrie Irving on that signature shoe list. Mm -hmm. Can you tell the illumination out there what it's like to cover Kyrie Irving in 2023, your expectations before he joined the Dallas Mavericks and then afterwards in your dealings with him? Honestly, Kyrie was cool to cover with the Mavericks. Now, I am aware enough and and seasoned enough in this profession to know that things could change. (laughs) I certainly understand that perhaps Nick Friedle did not enjoy the Kyrie Irving coverage experience (laughs) as much as I did. Kyrie wasn't a problem at all in Dallas. He was accommodating to the media, although he did not do an exit interview with us, which I thought was pretty interesting. There are no mistakes, no coincidences. When I get Kyrie off to the side and ask him stuff, he, he would always say, what, what's your agenda here? What's your angle here? But I don't mind that. There it is. Our patron saint. <laughs> if I can't explain to you, look, here's a story that I'm working on. Here's what I'm looking for from you. As a player, you have the right to ask me that. I'm asking you stuff. He just wants to understand, hey, if I give you this interview, how's this going to be used? That's cool. Mm-hmm. Didn't cause any issues with his teammates. So we'll see what happens with Kyrie this summer with the Mavericks. I don't know that he's going to have better options at this point. I think that the Lakers making the West Finals eliminates what would have been the most likely scenario for him leaving. And then we'll see how things, if he is back in Dallas, how things go moving forward. But I've got no beef whatsoever with my brief time on the Kyrie beat. Tim, Dylan Brooks, the news came out that the team would not retain him under any circumstances which, as you know, that is a very unprecedented tactic. Usually teams don't bring people back. You just figure it out when they don't bring them back. To kind of announce by a leak, obviously, that, hey, there's 0% chance this guy's returning. It came as a shock. Mm -hmm. Two questions. One, why do you think under no circumstances is he coming back? And two, why do you think they leaked that or that was leaked? Obviously, I don't want to sit here and speculate on somebody else on another reporter's sources. I can just tell you that the people I talked to within the Grizzlies were very upset about the phrasing of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the under any circumstances 
came from the Grizzlies. They did not want that messaging out there. The fact that they weren't bringing him back, that wasn't a shock. Zach Kleiman essentially said that during the exit interviews with the media a couple of days before that report came out. Mm. You know, he talks about we're going to take a different approach when it comes to trash talk and all this stuff. And then he's asked directly about Dylan Brooks and he says, uh, I'll talk about DB another day. Wouldn't be appropriate with him going into free agency, something along those lines, which is about the nicest way of saying he ain't coming back here. Mm hmm. And anybody who had even been following the team, much less covering the team, you knew. And, you know, I talked about this really all season long, but especially in that series, they had been trying to replace Dylan Brooks for two years. What did they do when they traded up in the draft to get the number 10 overall pick? They picked a guy at his position, Zaire Williams. Now, he's not ready, but that was an attempt. What did they do the next year when they ended up? trading up and then trading into the first round to get two first round picks. They pick guys at his position, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy. Neither of them are ready to replace him, but they did that. What did they do around the trade deadline? They tried to engage the Raptors in conversations about OG Ananobi. They weren't able to really get any traction there. They threw four picks mm -hmm. at the Brooklyn Nets, begging them for Macau Bridges. They've tried many times and all season long, it's been this thing where they didn't want the decision to part with Dylan Brooks to be a difficult one. They wanted to have his replacement plan in place. After the trade deadline, I think they anticipated that it would be difficult. It ended up not being for the wrong reasons. But there were major basketball reasons why they were looking to replace him, primarily being the guy is a bad offensive player who thinks he's a star and wants 18 shots a game when he should be the fourth or fifth option. It's almost the worst thing that could happen to the Grizzlies that when Ja was out a couple of years ago in the playoffs, that Dylan Brooks averaged like 20 points a game. Yeah. It set the bar at some point. So there have been headbutting about that. And then you heard in his exit interview with the Memphis media, he complained about accepting a lesser role yeah. this year. So they were never on the same page there. And that's the real reason that the Grizzlies had been trying to replace Dylan Brooks and always knew that this summer or you know, if they'd have got what they wanted, they'd have done it at the trade deadline, but they'd always knew that there was a pretty good chance he wasn't going to be back. And then just all the look at me, look at me, look at me, blame the messenger, blame the messenger, blame the messenger when the spotlight got too bright stuff, got to a point where it was an easy decision. But there were major basketball reasons that they were looking to move on from Dylan Brooks and had been for quite some time. So the reason why I recorded that theme song is because you are the baddest dude in all the land. Well, thanks. Texas blood as thick as mud. You've covered the Texas, I don't know if it's a triangle, the Spurs, the Houston Rockets, the Dallas Mavericks. You've been basically like America's South reporter. Memphis, you're there. I don't know if Salt Lake counts there. I'm a Western Conference floater based in Texas. It's a weird, you know. Phoenix, he's got it all. He's got all, all the terrain. <laughs> My favorite interaction that you've ever done that gave you the chops to be the baddest dude in all the land is your interaction with Rick Carlisle. You guys love this one. In that press conference. It's so good. It's the best. How many times are I going to ask the same question? One. You haven't answered it yet. Yeah. Simple answer. He asked, I answered. <laughs> the other one that you've covered there in Texas is Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. Mike D'Antoni, who has close ties with the Illumination president, Amin El Hassan, in the Phoenix days. Now, Doc Rivers is out in Philadelphia, and we've said from the get-go, Philadelphia has been creating Houston East ever since the beginning of this whole James Harden thing with Tad Brown and Daryl Morey, and then half of the roster with the Rockets are now with the team, Daniel House, PJ Tucker, et cetera. Is Mike D'Antoni next in your opinion? I don't know enough to weigh in on the likelihood of that, but if they are going full blast, doing their best to keep James Harden from heading back to Houston, hiring Mike D'Antoni obviously would make a lot of sense. Like Harden had the best years of his career playing for Mike D'Antoni. You know, I think D'Antoni's departure from Houston certainly factored into Harden forcing his way out. And maybe it would happen anyways, because you kind of saw that window closing. There was the, obviously in hindsight, and you could argue at the time, foolish decision to make the Russell Westbrook trade. That was a one and done. That was like the Jaw signature shoe deal. <laughs> but D'Antoni's departure certainly factored into to James's decision there. And, you know, I do think you have to look down and say, hey, what about Joel Embiid? That's the face of the franchise. I would say this. 
Mike D'Antoni is an offensive genius who has proven that he adapts to his personnel. The Houston Rockets with D'Antoni and James Harden played just a totally different style. Mm. Could not have been more different than the seven seconds or less Suns. Now, there's threes and there's layups and the Maury shot chart involved. But even that, Mike D'Antoni is about efficiency. He was cool with Chris Paul taking mid-range jumpers. He just wasn't cool with the vast majority of anybody else. If he comes in there, he's going to find ways to give Joel Embiid maximum space to operate. He's not going to tell Joel Embiid, hey, you're a dominant player catching the ball at the nail, you know, in that mid-range and in. Like, you can't take those mid-range jumpers. He's going to say, hey, here's the best way for us to get you the ball in the situations where you're best and have the most space to operate. So... I think it's interesting, but as far as like the likelihood of it, I would be throwing darts. I can't really say. Do you want to wrap it though? Uh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have those lines written out before you went on air with Wendy? They were not written out. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that I hadn't <laughs> thought of them beforehand. Not the top. <laughs> I will tell you this. I have not thought of a Mike D'Antoni rap. He's more suited to your guitar playing than my rapping. <laughs> yes. I'll give you right now. When Mike left and we had Terry Porter as the head coach, our first training camp, another one and done, our only training camp under Terry Porter. He had us doing some questionable type drills for a veteran team. On day three, Shaq is singing in the gym. As everyone's like doing their stretches and warming up as a team, he's just singing out, no baloney. We miss Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> <laughs> the Sixers put the PH in phony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After the Ben Simmons fallout after the Atlanta series with Doc's comments and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid's comments about Ben Simmons. I thought that that whole thing was a pretext for Daryl Morey to switch up. We're going to absolutely do everything we can to win and make this James Harden partnership work. But after what I saw from what Doc Rivers said about Ben Simmons and that relationship, it feels like he's got this ego management reputation of getting superstar players to play well together and to get the most out of them, to get to play nice. But I kind of feel like that just ran its course. And I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did, given the the history of Mike D'Antoni and James Harden and the fact that last year it didn't go well either. I would also say that there's a pretty extensive track record on James Harden having an expiration date with his co-stars. We can go on through the list dating back to Dwight Howard and then Chris Paul and then Russell Westbrook. I mean, you could date back to Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook because he wanted his own team. Yeah, I think that one was more about the Thunder didn't want to max him out and he didn't want to be a six man. But you could throw that in the mix. Certainly KD the second time around, the KD Kyrie trio. That, <laughs> and they've gotten progressively shorter. I don't know exactly where he is with Embiid, but dude, Woj reported on Christmas that he was looking to head to Houston, and <laughs> it ain't like he heard it on Christmas Eve. Like, that had been out there for a while, and it's just like, are you serious? He would leave Joel Embiid to go back to Houston, given what the circumstances are? Like, how could you do that? But it might happen. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for joining us. Your temporary ban being lifted is over. Unbanned. And we will bring you back under no circumstances, Tim. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get sued for using the theme song. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> what did it have? It was a little more complicated this time around because it couldn't just do two baskets. <laughs> oh, there isn't. A- they had the whole staircase filled with baskets. Is it spelling the name of the lottery team? No, it has the the number combos. You know, it's a thousand and one different number combos. They shot <laughs> fifteen hundred ping pong balls at the corgi <laughs> and it plucked one out of the air that said. San Antonio. That's right. The <laughs> San Antonio Spurs got Victor Wembanyama. Should we do this segment right now or should we save it for next week? No, save it for next week. Okay. I need space. I can't do this in a cold close. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.